Live from the Old Church Concert Hall in Portland, Oregon, it's Portland Story Theater's Urban Tellers. May the narrative be with you. This is my origin story. Much like the superheroes in comic books and in the movies, it's my path to where I am today. I have a lovely life, a wonderful life, and I'm so grateful for it. And the reason being is that uh, for the last 45 years, every day I start my day with what I call a spiritual exercise. I go within, I sing a sacred word, you, and that helps me to harmonize with spirit. And it helps me to give service to life in sometimes extraordinary ways. To get to this point, though, I had to experience some hardship. I had to go through some problems. Um, we all know stories. We all have problems with stories. And part of that, when you're on a heroic journey, is that you have to crack the egg of your ego a little bit so that you can emerge. So this is that process. It's 1960. I'm four years old. I'm walking downtown with my dad to his office. It's a hot, muggy July day in Ohio. We're just a couple of blocks from our house, and already I'm thirsty again. And something that I'd heard in Sunday school, we were Methodists, stuck with me. And I said to my dad, I wish I could drink from the well of the Lord, because then I'd never be thirsty again. <laughs> now my dad, who collected ministers like stray cats, was always bringing them over for dinner. He just kind of took that in stride. But I think it planted a seed. It planted a seed. So later he would ask me, do you want to be a minister? Two weeks later, I'm taking a bath. For those of you who were once four years old, you know the purpose of a bath when you're four, and that's to get as much water as possible on the floor. But my mom, who was German, was well prepared. She was there with the towels to make sure there'd be no disasters. And I have to tell you something about my mom. She honed my appreciation for beauty. And for the two of us, it meant two things. Number one, appreciation for nature. And number two, appreciation for the moment, the life that's happening right now. Every spring, I drag her outside say, look at the beautiful flowers, look at the blossoming trees, and we'd admire those things together, and we'd look for bird's nests together. And often, just because we could, we'd sing. We would sing and blend our voices. Now suddenly, mid-splash, something profound occurred to me. I'm God, I said. <laughs> now mom's first reaction, that little smile she used to get at the corner of her mouth. 
But then she said, you can't say that. I was surprised. That had never happened before. So I thought I'd try again. I'm Jesus, I said. Her eyes got a little bit bigger. And she said, you can't say that either. So I backed up the truck one more time. I'm the Statue of Liberty. That was acceptable. <laughs> but it wasn't true. And I knew in the moment that that was not true. There was some understanding that I had that I was trying to express. And it certainly wasn't being the Statue of Liberty. Eight years later, Mom quits the church. She becomes a seeker. She becomes a seeker of truth and begins to read avidly from a variety of different spiritual teachings. A year after that, 1969, I'm 13 years old. It's around Thanksgiving. And I suddenly begin to have these strange sensations. Every night when I'm going to bed, I have the feeling that I won't wake up in the morning that somehow I'm going to die in my sleep. Each night, this got stronger until after about two weeks, one night, right before bed, I sat down, I opened up my little roll-top desk, I got out the fountain pen that my grandfather had given me, and I wrote out a will. Now, I didn't have a lot of stocks and bonds to pass along in those days, but what I could do and what I did do is say something nice about everyone in my family. And then I left it in the roll-top desk, closed the top, and I figured, well, sooner or later, someone would open that roll-top desk up and I was gone. At the same time that I was having these feelings, my mom's stomach was growing and she wasn't pregnant. An operation in January revealed that she had cancer and she was given a two-year sentence. So the feelings I'd had were actually in a growing awareness of her sickness. Now in those two years, our family turned inward and we suffered. Still in that time period, my mom completed her college degree she was a war bride. She was six weeks away from a master's degree in chemistry when the University of Munich was bombed into rubble. And when she went back to college in Ohio, they gave her one quarter's worth of credit, just one quarter. Still, she persisted, and she got her college degree. The last couple of months, after a second operation, to put in a colostomy bag were absolutely horrible. But as a family, we were able, working in shifts, to take care of my mom until the last day of her life. Three days after she died, mom came to me in a dream and she said, Duncan, wake up. And I couldn't wake up for a while. I was heartbroken. I became an atheist because I couldn't believe that God would allow something so cruel to happen to such a lovely person. 
But then I began to have experiences in nature with beauty, with the things that mom and I had shared together that started to wake me up and I began to search for love, began to search for love. And in that period of time, I became a seeker, like my mother before me. Now, a seeker is not just a believer, because a believer might just stop with belief, but a seeker is one who wants to apply what they learn so that they can grow. And I was looking to become the best version of myself that I could possibly be. So I began to read a variety of different teachings, religions and philosophies and texts. The summer I turned 18, for instance, I read Carlos Castaneda's books and Be Here Now by Ram Das, and Frazier's The Golden Bough and the Bhagavad Gita and the poetry of Rumi. And each one of them had something that was valuable. I got something of value, but none of them had the sustained vision that I was looking for. The closest was Rumi. In those days, the Rumi translations were not nearly as good as they are now. But the book that really changed my life, I found in an interesting way. I was visiting my brother in Pocatello, Idaho. I went on a random walk, as I love to do, and I discovered a health food store. First time I'd ever seen a health food store in my life. And I have to tell you that in those days, some of you may remember this, uh, health food stores were local businesses, usually run by hippies, and I grew to love them. And in that store was a book called Herbs the Magic Healers. And that book introduced me to Ekankar, the path of spiritual freedom. And what I loved about Ekankar, and what I love about Ekankar now, is that it offers practical exercises that I can use to make conscious contact with spirit and then learn with it, learn in harmony with it, learn in partnership with it. And this makes my life extraordinary. The interesting thing about growing up or, or becoming awake or becoming spiritually aware is that um, the further you go, the humbler you become. The ego doesn't make the journey. My most important work is to be a husband and a father and a grandfather and a friend. And my most important career high school English teacher. People used to tell me, you know, they, they pitied me because I, worked, I taught high school, but for me it was a great privilege working with the young. In 2018, I was at an Ekankar seminar in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and I was listening to Harold Klemp, the spiritual leader of Ekankar, give a talk. And in that talk, while he was talking, I heard the still, small voice 
much like Bill heard a small voice inside him. The voice said, Duncan, are you awake? Yes, I am. <laughs> 